listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. In this episode, we share with you our discussion with business growth strategist, Athan Cassiotis. Athan is the host of a fabulous podcast called The Business Growth Show and kindly featured me as one of his guests. The discussion was really insightful, so we thought we'd share it with you too. We talked about the top legal mistakes businesses make, how to protect the value of your business, what to negotiate when selling businesses, key considerations for IP, plus much, much more. I had so much fun in recording this episode with Athan, and I hope you get some valuable insights from it as well. So without further ado, here's our discussion with Athan. Welcome, Joanna Oakley, and thank you for being on my show. Thank you so much for having me. It's really, um, it's really exciting, and it, and it feels a bit weird to have the tables turn because, as you said, I've got two podcast shows, um, which I've been running for about I don't know, like a, a four or five years ago. I started the first one now, and um, so it feels it feels weird speaking on someone else's podcast. I have to, as I said to you before we started, I have to remember not to start um, moving into interviewing you rather than the other way around. I'll try my hardest. <laughs> Love it, Joanna. It's awesome to have you here. Love your energy. And um, yes, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. And um, yeah, it's, it's always fun to be on the other end when we have a podcast <laughs> as well to provide some value. And um, yes, um, if you want to ask me a question, I'll be open, but let's let's keep it more about you today. Uh, that's what it's all about. We're going to delve into this law stuff. But firstly, I want a little bit more about you. You know, you're a very successful entrepreneur. So for those people who don't know who you are, um, please introduce yourself by telling us about you and your journey. Yeah, well, as you said, my name's Joanna Oki. I'm the managing partner of the commercial legal firm Aspect Legal. So we deal with um, generally SME clients. Um, and so, and, and we've got a client base that includes um, large organizations, but but I see our real heart and soul as being in SME world. So that's anyone who doesn't know that, if you're listening from the US, you may not know that terminology here in Australia, I means small to medium enterprise business. So that's businesses generally with less than 100 employees, but that are, you know, quite often um, run by entrepreneurs but and, and you know, have at the heart this concept of growth. Um, so, you know, we do a lot of work in that market and, and we sort of work in three ways with those businesses. So we work with them in acquisition, so helping them acquire right at the beginning of the business life cycle, but also to use acquisitions for growth. And by the way, I think acquisitions are one of the secret sources of growth for a business that SMEs, you know, could really stand by learning a lot more about as an alternative to organic growth. So anyway, we work with businesses who are acquiring, businesses who are growing. So we help them build that legal foundation of their business so they don't blow themselves up along the way. And is that it's just so important then for, for them to understand, for businesses to understand what their exit, what what exit will look like for them and how that should impact the way 
they grow the business, the mistakes and the decisions that they're making through the growth of their business. That's enough for me. I won't go, you know, yeah, too yeah. far into it. But but suffice to say, we work with businesses um, at in buying, so acquiring businesses at growth and at exit. Yeah, awesome. Love that. And, you know, it's important, obviously, in all those different areas of business, no matter where you're at, because, um, you know, we need to understand, you know, what we're doing at the start, what we're doing during. And obviously, we're not going to be in business forever. Um, you know, we're, we're not going to be working probably when we're 100 or maybe older. Who knows? Maybe we will be. But um, some people may want to get out um, earlier than that, too. And they come to the point of exit. They, they've got a, a desire for the value of their business that's greater than what the market um, recognizes as the value of their business. And the reality is we are moving into this, um, this, this retirement boom going into the future when we've got baby boomers hitting the market with all of these businesses at the moment that are run um, by business owners who are in the 50s and 60s who will be looking to sell within the next 10 years. And the thing is, if you don't have an understanding of what value is in a business as you're growing it, you will never have a valuable business at exit. And so, you know, your um, your opportunities for how you can maximize value will be massively minimized if you don't understand, if you don't understand these decisions that you're making along the way, which most business owners don't, you know, because there's so few people out there in the market talking about it. And because people, business owners don't want to think about exit until they're at the point of exit, but you need to so that you can grow your business in a way that maximizes that value. Yeah, I love that. So many awesome points. And, you know, thank you for bringing that awareness to everybody because it is extremely important. And, you know, I hear a lot of people obviously making different types of mistakes and things like that in their business. So do you want to maybe talk about, you know, the top sort of legal mistakes that the businesses are making? Yeah, well, um, absolutely. So it starts with this whole not understanding that you need to have the end in mind right from the beginning. So that's the very first one. Um, and, and when I say that, what I mean is you need to understand what creates value for your business, how to maximize that value and how to lock that value in. So, so the first mistake is not understanding the end game. That's the first one. Um, and, and in fact, I have just finished writing a book all about this, which we are launching in just a few months' time. So I'm really excited. It took me a whole year to write the book. Um, and it is three times longer than I intended it to be. And I said to our publisher, I said to my editor and publisher, you must cut down this book. And um, and so anyway, this is your mandate. And, and he came back to me. They came back to me and said, do you know what? This is all super important information for businesses and we just don't think it does the reader any service by cutting anything out. So anyway, I apologize in advance. It is long, but there's there's chapter headings so you can you can you can get all the way through. But in it, I talk about the top mistakes that businesses make. And so the, the very first one is this failing to plan with the end in mind. The second is failing to understand what value is in your business and to protect it. The third is failing to understand what risk is and preventing it. Uh, and, and then the fourth is just failing to recognize the opportunity in acquisition for incredible growth. But you need to cover those first bases first before you even think about growth because you need, you need to understand value and protect it. You really need to put this, um, this fortress 
around your assets to make your assets impenetrable so that while you're growing, you have that confidence that you're not going to blow yourself up along the way in all of your assets. And then you need to understand risk and have in process things that prevent those risks from happening in a business. So there's um, that's like a quick answer, but but fundamentally that's where I see businesses make mistakes time and time and time again in their growth. And the reality is they only really clock that they've made those mistakes. Either one, when they've been through a period of fast growth and something's gone wrong in the business or a heap of things have gone wrong in the business, they end up in disputes, they end up in in, in sort of, I call them mini man landmines that are going off in their business that deplete, deplete the value and make them exhausted. I'm sure, you know, you know business owners, I know so many that have built what seem to be amazing businesses on this incredible growth trajectory where the foundations of their business just haven't grown as fast as the and particularly the legal foundations, but all foundations haven't grown as fast as they have in their business. So the revenue increases, things are going brilliantly. But if they haven't put that foundation in place to support the business that they are growing into, then they create these legal landmines that ultimately exhaust them, you know. Um, and all the alternative is they get to that point of exit and they have a business that just doesn't have value in the minds of the market. So in, in the minds of buyers. Yeah. Love that. All awesome points there and definitely food for thought. And maybe let's delve a little bit deeper, maybe into a, some of these, because I think, um, yeah, it'd be great to, to learn more. So uh, let's talk about risk. You mentioned risk, right? So do you want to maybe, um, you know, talk about some ways or whatever that we can reduce or even prevent um, risk in our business? Yeah, absolutely. So the first is 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 educational. It's an educational point. And and indeed that's why I started Talking Law. So Talking Law was my first podcast, um, which you'll find on all good podcast players. <laughs> but in in Talking Law, my whole idea was um I'm a content producer like you, right? Um I I like to provide a way for the market to be able to educate themselves and then utilize professionals that of course can be more expensive in the right ways you know um, because I want business owners to get the biggest bang for their buck and the way they do that is by self-education so it's things like listening to podcasts like your podcast like my podcast listening to podcasts getting yourself educated um, and, and from a legal perspective it's getting yourself educated as to what are the risks in the market so the main risks for SMEs, um, so, you know, that small to medium enterprise business sort of generally fall into one of key buckets. So one of the first is structure. So they've set um, the business up with business partners or set the structure up in a way that is not right for the business. So one of the, the uh, other than employment law, so we'll get to that next, but other than employment law, business partner um, disputes are one of the sort of largest number of disputes just generally that we see where, where issues are created. And the thing is you can protect against that as a risk um, by having documents in place, by having things like shareholder agreements or um, by 
by asking yourselves these fundamental questions about how you're going to run a business together, how you're going to exit a business if one of you wants to exit and the other doesn't, by having the right documentation in place. So there's answers for all of this, but the very first point is understanding why it's so important because I find a lot of businesses understand if they go into business with other partners, okay, it's super important to have a shareholders agreement. I know I need to have a shareholders agreement. They get started down the process of a shareholders agreement. But because they don't understand the risk that they're protecting against by it, as soon as it gets a little bit hard, they give up, you know, and and there's this great, I, I, I run lots and lots of webinars and things like that, you know, trying to get information across to um, SMEs about what they need to do and how to do it. And um, I've run a number of webinars on shareholders agreements or to, to accountants, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of talk to them about what their clients need to think about in shareholders agreements. And I'll regularly poll the audience and say, you know, how many of you um, have thought about a shareholders agreement? Okay, so generally 90% is the answer to that. Okay, so how many have started a shareholders agreement? Okay, then we're at about 70%, maybe 80%. How many of you have a signed shareholders agreement? Okay, now we're down to about 60%. How many of you know where that shareholders agreement is? <laughs> Put your hands on it right now or have reviewed it or thought about it in the last few years. Okay, now we're down to about 10%. So, so you see, this is something that is, it's actually really easy for businesses to do to protect risk, but they don't do because they don't understand what the risk is. Um, so you've got, um, you know, structure and shareholders agreements, employment law, exactly the same. You know, um, businesses as they grow um, in complexity and staff numbers generally don't have in place the right employment templates, the right company policies, the right understanding of how to performance manage, you know, and, and then they'll either be one of two things. They'll either um, they'll either go through issues with unfair dismissal action because they they haven't understood how to properly terminate staff, so they get themselves into trouble. And we've seen, you know, some clients have some, you know, really sad stories with the way they've mishandled these situations because they didn't understand. Um, or they go the other way and just feel that they can never performance manage staff that aren't, meeting their expectation because they're worried about an unfair dismissal action or some action by employees. So both of those, both of those will be preventing the business from the proper growth that it should be able to, um, to uh, you know, achieve because of their misunderstanding of this area. And then, um, you, you know, it goes on clients and client agreements, suppliers, business partners, intellectual property, um, and, and understanding regulation in the business. So, you know, there's lots of things for business owners to think about, but it doesn't have to be hard. They just have to start by educating themselves and, and then by having, you know, a lawyer who knows what they're doing, do an assessment of their business and, and be able to tell them where are the biggest opportunities for value protection at the moment in your business? Where's your value? Have you protected it? What's the biggest area of risk in your business and in your industry? So in businesses like yours, and have you put in place the right steps to prevent it? So that's sort of the, that's the way they can um, easily get a bit of a snapshot of their business. But I think business, 
business owners, um, you know, they don't realise how much these disputes and issues in their business can cost until they start having them, until they're faced with their first legal action, um, which is quite confronting. Yeah, definitely. Love that. Awesome uh, points there. And uh, I think about it like health in a way, right? It's like get your stuff organized, prevention better than cure type of thing yeah. like that, because later down the track, it definitely could cost you um, a lot more. So love all those points there about, um, yeah, risk uh, prevention. And I guess- but Start yeah. with a snapshot as well. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but, but right. I guess what I'm saying is don't leave this discussion feeling overwhelmed because it doesn't have to be overwhelming. All you need to do is start with someone- giving you a snapshot of where you are and and in reality where should you be um you know so sorry go ahead <laughs> and then we can close the gap that's what it's all about so, <laughs> yeah that's um, right yep and you mentioned a lot about value right and and protecting the value in our business so do you want to maybe share some things about um you know what what value is i guess and and what how you know how can we protect it as well yeah. So value uh, value uh, can have a number of different perspectives. So I think the beginning of thinking about value in your business, number one is taking a snapshot. So of what you think value is in your business. Number two is also about doing research to understand what is considered to be value by buyers in your market. So you might be missing what value is in your market or what value is for buyers um, if you look at it only through your own lens. So, so it's about sort of stepping back and looking at it from um, a different perspective as well, which is actually our tagline, Aspect Legal, looking at business from a different perspective. But I love that whole play on perspective because that's often what business is, you know, finding the way to look at things from a different perspective and from a legal perspective, it's looking at value from your eyes, but also from the eyes of others um, and particularly those others that might be buyers of your business in the future. So an example of value in a business might be um, your, your client base because quite often client base is, is your revenue base. So obviously, you know, most businesses have a lot of value attributed to their revenue base. Not all businesses. Um, some businesses derive value in different ways related more, say, for example, to intellectual property that they've created within their business. But let's say we, we've got value that is sitting in our customer base. So then we say, okay, well, what are the ways that we will protect value? So from a legal perspective, the very simplistic ways um, or a few simplistic ways that we would look at protection of customer value is um, what restraints do we have in place for our staff to make sure um, exiting staff can't take clients and business partners and other employees, like those restraints should be really carefully thought out. And in some in industries that will look like non-competition restraints, i.e. you as a staff member can't leave and compete with this business. Instead, we want a, what we call a non-solicitation restraint, which is you can't go and solicit my um, my clients. You can't go and solicit my staff. Does that make sense? So, so, so we protect... Um, our client base by um, our non-competition and non-solicitation clauses um, within our employment contracts and our contractor agreements, sometimes in our agreements with our um, with uh, suppliers, you know. Um, we also protect it by, um, uh, by 
ourselves and our role with our clients. So how sticky we make our clients. So our, are our clients always dependent on us for the relationship? If so, when we go to sell that business at some point in the future, it will have a much lower value because of the risk that they might leave. Um, or are those client relationships um, at risk because they sit in certain staff members? And once again, that might be a risk that we have to deal with as well. Do the clients connect to the business by brand? And if brand is important, then you need to protect the brand. So you need to get trademark registrations. Um, so like they're all just sort of examples of if we say, okay, well, our value is in our client base. How do we lock that in? How do we protect it? Um, and then we go through a business step by step where we say if our value is sitting in our staff, how do we protect that value? If our value is sitting in our intellectual property, how do we protect that value? Um, so it, it's just about understanding where your value is in a business from your perspective, from a buyer perspective, and putting in place a plan to make sure you've properly protected that value. Yeah, awesome stuff. Love that. Thanks, Joanna. And um, let's talk a little bit then about IP, right? Because you've been mentioning it there, and I think IP is a, is a great topic. Like, you know, obviously patents are more for products, but trademarking is, you know, obviously becoming quite big and, and important um, in business. And I know that um, where the IP is actually held is another thing as well, right? Um, you know, protecting the brand, protecting the IP and things like that. So do you want to maybe uh, just talk a little bit about what we should consider, you know, when um, trying to protect our brand and IP as well? Yeah, there's so many things to consider here. So, so, so the first point is that IP, um, in some instances, can be seen as a pure asset. And where we have pure assets, part of our approach for protecting pure assets is to move them away from liabilities. Um, and so, in order to move them away for li from liabilities, sometimes we might put some intellectual property into a separate entity. So it might be into an IP holding trust or an IP holding company or, or some other entity that that holds or an investment trust or investment company or whatever, some other entity that segregates it as a pure asset away from the liability that might be sitting within our business. And the reason for that might be, uh, so if you've got, if you've got a business that runs a lot of risk in it and there is the risk um, that all one of your business units runs a lot of risk. Once again, you might segregate that business unit away from other business units, which often makes sense because if um, a particular business unit uh, runs a lot of risk and that risk can't be dealt with or is dealt with poorly by other mechanisms, you might decide to move it away from the others. So if something happens um, and someone attacks that business, they're not getting access to the other businesses or the other pure assets like intellectual property, your trademarks, whatever. So, so that's the that's a that's a general idea behind it. And it also might be um, sometimes a clever consideration if you're looking at entering into business with others, but you don't want to give them full access to some of the value that you use in other businesses or that you don't want to be 
part of what they get ownership of. So, for example, if you have a training entity, again, um, and you want to give staff some of the ownership of that entity or you want to bring on business partners, but you have a brand or other intellectual property that you use for other businesses, you might want to move that brand away to, to be held in another entity so that um, so that you're still able to do whatever you want with that without having to get consent from the other shareholders, you know, as, as part of this business. So there's lots of different reasons that you might move intellectual property or other assets, um, or indeed why you might use move business units to their own structure. And it can be a really clever um, approach. It can be a clever approach from a an asset protection point of view. It can be a really clever approach from a tax point of view, it can be a really clever approach from a future planning point of view, but there can be some traps along the way. And we have seen people do this accidentally. Sometimes accountants working with their clients, creating this segregation for, um, for many good reasons, but doing it in a way that then deprives the business that's using the intellectual property of the proof of it being used because they don't have the right agreements in place. So the message is there's so many opportunities for what you can do with some of this stuff, but you need to do it in the right way. Yeah, awesome. Love it, Joanna. And thank you for um, yeah, bringing our awareness to the IP side of things. Um, it's so interesting and this is the reason why we yeah, we need to speak to the experts to make sure we're we're doing it properly for our situation. And you know, we, we talked a lot about you know buying and selling businesses, right? And you know, it may uh, I guess look good on the outside. It's like, yeah, I want to buy this business, I want to sell my business, right? However, you know, we, we've got to get it right. And and I think the terms are, are really important, right? In this as well, because it's not just, hey, I want to buy this business. It's like, what are the terms on buying it? So do you want to maybe share a little bit um, about what we should look out for when negotiating, you know, to buy or, or sell a business. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, the, the, it comes back to this question. So I talked before about sort of the top mistakes businesses make, the top things to think out about uh, value and how you protect it, risk and how you prevent it. It's the same thing in buying a business, but the very first thing you need to do is understanding why, understand why you're buying a business. So what's the value that you're looking for in it? Once you've established what the value is that you're looking for, it will help you get clarity on what we call targets. So businesses that you're, you've identified as being businesses that you might want to buy so that you can assess them as to number one, do they have that value? Number two, is it protected? Number three, will it transfer to you? Because that's that's just an incredibly important point that, um, you, you know, when you're buying a business, you want to make sure that the value within the business transfers to you. And you can do that in a number of ways. So there's commercial ways to achieve that. There's through the contract. So you can set out, um, you know, um, contractual obligations for the seller and certain things that they have to do. Um, but there's also deal structure. And deal structure is a really um a really important component of buying a business and indeed selling a business as well. And deal structure means um, the, not just what you're paying, but how you're paying it. Because you can pay for a business all up front. You can pay for a business partially 
And when I say upfront, I mean when you take the business. And when I say business, it might be shares as well. So you might be buying a whole company. You might be buying the business outside of the com- out of the company. You might just be buying some assets. But for whatever the, what whatever way you're structuring the actual acquisition, you need to then think about, well, number one, you need to think about whether you're going to do it as a business sale, a share sale, or an asset sale. So that's the first thing. The second thing that you then need to think about is whether or not you're paying as soon as you get the business or whether you're paying partly then and partly into the future. So we call that a deferred payment. And if it's a deferred payment, we then have to work out, well, we're deferring that payment on the basis of the performance of the business into the future or we're deferring that payment on the basis of something that we require to ensure is passed over. For example, if you're buying an accounting practice, you will often um, have a certain component of the purchase price as a retention. They use the terminology in accounting practice sales of retention, which means say you have an agreed sale price of a million dollars. You might have 80% paid on the date that you take over the business or the shares or the company and a further 20% paid one or two years later if all of the clients are still clients of that practice. So that's a way you can structure the deal so that the value is transferred, so that you're risking, you're sharing the risk that that value doesn't transfer with the seller as well. And that's, um, I think that's one of the critical things for buyers of businesses to understand how you manipulate the terms of the offer in terms of protecting um, against value, uh, protecting the value and to ensure that it does transfer and protecting against risk as well. Yeah, love that. Thank you for delving really deep in that. And um, if we just talk a little bit more about selling is like, you know, obviously you need a lawyer, all right, to do certain things and you need an accountant, right, as well, which is important when selling a business. So where do you, because, you know, I think there's, there's a bit of a mix here, right? Because, you know, um, what, what accountants and lawyers do in certain situations when setting up businesses and, and selling and things like that. So in terms of selling, you know, where do lawyers get involved in the process? And I guess, um, yeah, what, what else, you know, should we be thinking about at that time? Because you know, there's a couple of different players here. We want to make sure that, you know, the accountant looks at like, you know, what the structure is, but the lawyer sort of gets involved in other areas. So what can you share around that as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very interesting. So, so getting ready for exit, there's a number of points that you can involve a lawyer, and um, uh, the best time to involve a lawyer is years before you sell, um, so that you can have a review of your business and an identification of the things that you need to fix in your business in order to make it saleable at the maximum price. And so and, and from a legal perspective, we don't necessarily, we, we don't look at um, business growth or value from the perspective of what you do from a business perspective. We're looking at it from a legal perspective. But when a buyer comes in to look at a business and assesses a business in terms of um, how they protected the value, how would the value transfer, um, and what is the risk level in the business, Those three metrics connect to assessments from a legal perspective as well as from a business perspective. So that means, you you know, the decisions that you're making years in advance of sale will be very important to some of that legal due diligence that will be done by a buyer when they're looking to buy the business. 
So they'll be looking at, you know, um, does your business hold a lot of risk? Are you compliant with, um, you, you know, with uh, legislation and regulation in relation to your business, or is there risk there because you, you're not compliant? Um, do you have contracts with clients that are solid and sturdy, or are they? Do they have a whole heap of risk in terms of the indemnity clauses and the liability clauses? All of these sorts of things, buyers will be very keen to understand. Um, so, and and of course, are you structured? in the right way to extract the most value out of your business at sale. Um, but you have to be careful at, about who you engage to help you with that process. We we worked um, with a business a couple of years ago that had gone and um, spoken to their accountant. So accountant has a really important role here because they look at the structure of the business and also the, the way that you run your accounts, because when it, someone's looking to buy the business, they'll do financial due diligence as well as legal due diligence. And you want you want to be, you, you know, ticking all of the boxes for the buyers when they do this. So you need um, a great legal infrastructure. You need a great accounting and financial infrastructure. So a accountant will look at all of that from a financial perspective, the, the accounting, financial, you know, cleanliness side, but they will also... You, and you will want them to assess your business from um, the suitability of your tax environment at sale. Because if you look at that early enough, then you can restructure. Um, but you just got to be careful you don't create problems for yourself in restructuring too close to a sale. And it's really important that you deal with an accountant that knows what they're talking about in this area because it's just, you, you know, it is one of those things that not all accountants deal in. So then from the same tip from a legal perspective, so this particular case, um, our client um, had gone, they weren't our client at the time, they, they, so we ended up with them at the end. But um, but at the time they'd gone, they knew that they were getting ready for exit from the business. And so they went and saw their accountant. They said, you know, we're looking at um, selling out of their business. And the accountant said, okay, um, here's some things that um, you need to do. You need to put a general manager on board so that the general manager can come and run the business and know the business so that when you sell the business, you'll be able to sell it under management, which is a great tip for getting your business ready to sell. Um, but the accountant said, hold on, you've got a lot of value sitting in this business. So what we need is a lawyer to come in and restructure part of the elements of value and take them out of the business so that they're not exposed to when this new manager comes on board. So anyway, they went and saw this other lawyer who went through this sort of a quite complex legal restructuring process. And so that was fine. That was in place. And and then um, they they uh, dealt with the business for, I think, about three to four years, got it to the point ready for sale, got it ready for sale, um, put it on the market, um, had a broker engaged, found a buyer, went through that whole process. It can be a really long process sometimes selling a business, right, because you need to get the business ready, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, and at that point when they found the buyer, came to commercial terms, the broker said, okay, you really need to deal with a lawyer that understands business sale and acquisitions. And, you, you know, they knew that the old lawyer who'd done the restructure um, didn't deal on a day-to-day -day basis with this area. And that's the important thing on a day-to-day -day basis. So they they came to me and said, absolutely, we can help, no worries. Um, and then I just started to ask them a few questions about their structure. And immediately, immediately I could tell that 
um, there were problems with the way that they'd been restructured this few years before. And it was going to create a massive issue for us um, at the point of sale because we had assets in different locations and a very difficult way of tying it all together. And what was worse, I went to the accountant and I said, well, what does this look like from an accounting perspective? And he ran it through. And it turned out they were going to be almost a million dollars worse off in tax um, because they were going to have to go through a business sale rather than a share sale environment. So it was just, it, it was um, a bit of a horrendous situation. Um, and we managed to do a bit of a quick restructure of the deal in the background. We got some things in place um, and, and we managed to um, get it into a place where, you, you know, the, the, um, the, the uh, loss from a tax perspective, wasn't as you know bad as it had seemed initially, um, and you know we're not tax lawyers, but we uh, you know the accountant worked on one side and we worked on the legal side to get them in that position. But then what happened was the general manager the day before they were due to sign the contract walked out on them, oh. and um, and he said, "You either give me ten percent of the sale value, or I'm out of here." And they said, what? We're not going to be held to ransom like this. You just walk. So we walked with the database of the clients. And so then that's when we ran into, um, you know, protect the business mode. And so, you know, we issued cease and desist and legal demands and made sure, you know, he didn't go and actually set up in competition like he was threatening to do. Um, but, but it created a real issue then in the transaction as we're wrapping up now today, what one key um, piece of advice would you like to give to all the entrepreneurs um, watching and listening today? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Um, educate yourself. You know, listen to podcasts like this. Um, you know, jump on to my podcast, The Deal Room, Talking Law. Um, I can give you links through to that that you can give your listeners um, if you'd like. Pre-launch, uh, get in for the pre-launch for the book, you know, get um, Buy, Grow, Exit, um, which is the ultimate guide to using business as a wealth creation vehicle. Um, but uh, but I think, you know, other than educate yourself, um, take the time to go and take stock of where you are right now um, and get an assessment of where you are and what you need to put in place to protect you based on where you want to be or think you are likely to be in the next few years. Well, that's it for this episode of Talking Law. We hope you found this episode useful and insightful. And if you'd like more information about this topic, then head over to our website at talkinglaw.com.au, where you'll be able to download a transcript of this episode, as well as any contact details and additional information that we refer to. And if you'd like to get in contact with our guests today and the services they offer, you can go ahead and check out our show notes for those details. And of course, if you're interested to talk to any of our lawyers about anything relating to this topic, then just head over to our website at www.aspectlegal.com.au where you can book immediately a free 15-minute discussion with our legal eagles at any time that works for you. Of course, there's also a booking form in our show notes as well. And if you haven't yet, then please consider subscribing to Talking Law on your favorite podcast player to get a notification straight to your phone whenever a new episode is out. We'd also love to hear your feedback. So please leave us a review and rating if you're a subscriber or even 
imagine if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. I am so very excited to announce that I've hit a non-podcast related milestone and released a book. You might wonder why? Simple. I wanted to help business owners understand the mechanics of deal making and the interaction between three critical phases of business, acquisition, growth, and exit. And so I am very happy to announce Buy, Grow, Exit, a guidebook for business owners and their advisors on how to buy, grow, and guess what, exit in a way that maximizes value and avoids landmines along the way. The book is available now, so just head over to buygrowexit.com.au to get your copy and to access a whole heap of free resources that will really help you on your journey of acquisition, growth, and exit in your business or in working with your clients. Also check out our show notes where we will link straight through to that page. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au. 